The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mars, fourth planet from the sun. At the end of the 19th and dawn of the 20th century, it's thought to be home to Martians, little green men. Popularized in stories like H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds in 1898, inventor-slash-mad scientist Nikola Tesla, one of the forefathers of modern technology, thought Martians were actively communicating with Earth in 1899. By the end of the 20th century, we learned that Mars does not have Martians, despite the uh, stubborn beliefs of conspiracy theorists. What it does have is a thin atmosphere susceptible to intense solar windstorms engulfing the entire planet in red dust. Unable to retain the sun's heat, temperatures can plummet to negative 225 degrees Fahrenheit in the brutal Martian winter. There's no water, no living organisms of any kind. Not even Matt Damon could grow plants there. The Martian movie reference. For those of you wondering how the fuck Matt Damon got to Mars. It's a giant red rock of dust, ancient volcanoes, canyons, caves, and valleys. In short, uh, it's a shithole. Like, imagine the worst town you've ever been to, like Battle Mountain, Nevada, for me. Think about how much it must suck to live there. You know? Picture the, picture the worst neighborhood of the worst town you've ever been to, and then imagine a whole city being nothing but that neighborhood, and then put that in the middle of northern Nevada with nothing but tumbleweeds, high desert, and barbed wire fence for like 100 miles in any direction. That's Battle Mountain. Mars, way worse than that. And yet, Elon Musk, another mad scientist, a billionaire, who has been described by others and himself as a real-life Tony Stark, a living, breathing Iron Man, not only thinks we should go there, he thinks a lot of us should live there. And he's putting his money where his mouth is to get us there as early as 2022. Find out more about Musk and his mission to Mars, including how much it's going to cost to get a ticket on the first trip in this interplanetary episode of Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. All right. Special thanks to Ian Young on Facebook for suggesting this time suck topic. I wasn't sure I was going to do one on Mars because uh, 
you know, I just don't fucking care that much about it. Or Elon Musk, because I didn't know much about him. But once I started Googling, thanks, Ian, uh, I was fascinated. I was sucked in. Very, uh, very interesting topic. So uh, first off, I I do kind of want to talk about for a second about why I just never cared about Mars. Like, you know, I was into sci-fi as a kid. I I still like a good sci-fi movie now. But I, but I'm interested in like, like you know, species and things like that are probably way, way off. Like I would, yeah, I would love to see a UFO, uh, unless it killed all of us. You know, that would suck. But even that would be pretty fucking exciting until we died. You know, It'd be an intense way to live. You know, better than just being bored. I don't know. I think. So I'm, I am fascinated with UFOs, but Mars is just, you know, like once we found out there's nothing there, I just like, uh, okay, not that interested. Um. I don't know, but I, but I mean, but I, I, you might not feel that same way. You probably a lot of people listening probably don't. Um, I know a lot of people are super into it. Like Elon Musk, you know, he gave a speech detailing his idea to go there at the uh, International Astronautical Congress, which I'm going to be referring to a lot in this episode. It was in Guadalajara, Mexico, this past September 27th, and apparently the crowd was ec- ecstatic. If the New York Times reported that quote the mood at the conference was almost as giddy. Uh, as a rock concert or the launch of a new Apple product with people lining up for Mr. Musk's presentation a couple hours in advance. So, you know, people are into it. I don't get it, but, you know, but, but I, I wouldn't go to an iPhone unveiling either. I'm just not that kind of person. But I will say better gadgets on my phone does interest me more, gets me more excited than the prospect of, you know, going to Mars. I'll tell you why, because it fucking sucks. It fucking sucks there. Why does anyone get excited about it? Like, to, to me... Making it to Mars isn't really that much cooler as making it back to the moon. Because, you know, like, we've already set foot on one giant uninhabitable rock. You know, check. Did it. What was the point of making it to another one? Like, we don't have any cool planets in our solar system. They're just, they're shitty. They're just fucking shitty, uninhabitable balls of gas and rock. Who gives a shit? A lot of people. I don't understand it. You know, like, like why do you want to go there? Ah, I mean... Like, why, why, why do you just want to go there just to be on another planet but have nothing cool, like, once you get there? To me, that, that's like, that's like uh, traveling to, uh, I don't know, like a cool country. A cool country for me would be, be cool to go to, like, like, Brazil. But what wouldn't be cool is to go to, like, Brazil and then just eat at a, at a Subway restaurant, a Subway sandwich shop in, in the airport in Rio de Janeiro, and then be like, ah, Brazil, check. Let's go home. It's like, no, you just travel a long way. To see something that sucks here and there. I don't fucking want to go subway down the street. Why would I want to go across across the galaxy to one? That's that's like that's like if I want to see red rock and and a place that humans weren't supposed to live, I would just go to northern Arizona. Wander around, out around Sedona or something, be like, alright, fucking I get it. But even that's way cooler because there's, you know, there's plants, a few of them at least, and some some animals. I don't know, and then there's this whole thing like like Elon Musk, and I'm going to get into it. I'm not going to just be shitting on this thing. <laughs> it's probably the worst way to structure an episode. I'm just going to shit all over the topic and tell you how much it sucks, and then we're going to get into it. No, once we get into it, the plan is, is cool. It's interesting. It's fascinating. I don't know if, I mean, I would want to be a part of it, but it is interesting. He, but Elon Musk, he, he wants to get like a colony on Mars, which I'm going to explain how he thinks we're going to do that. But he wants to, you know, have people living up there in this dome, essentially, and, and at first, it would only be like 100 people in like little, little domes or one dome. He didn't get exactly into, into the, the exact dome structure, but these glass domes. But it's like, no, and it, why? And it, like, 
That would that wouldn't be fun. Here's how it would go. Like a, the first colonists to Mars. First day, you know, you and everyone else on the spaceship, you've been traveling for months through space. You're just happy to not be dead and to have different scenery than a spaceship. Like you're just happy to not be dead when you get to Mars. And then for the next few days, you know, you you be you be excited that you're like, you know, seeing like new sunrises, new sunsets, and just that feeling of like euphoria of like, holy shit, we're doing something no one has ever done. We're we're living where someone has never lived, we're, we're walking around on, on soil that no one has ever walked around on before. Like, oh, this this the, the mystery. Oh, my God. What could have happened here over the millennia? But then after a while, you're just like, yeah, it's a fucking, it's the same. This is the same shit that, I'm, that I've been seeing for a while. It's really, it's really not that scenic. Like, I, I can't go out on any of it. You can't walk around outside of your bubble unless you've got a spacesuit on. And then, then what's the point? Even that, like, it's not like it's not like you're gonna, um, you know, go for a hike on Mars and round a bend and see a bunch of beautiful native women bathing in some under some waterfall and some new fucking deer that just are so just delicious and they just you don't even have to hunt them. They just like they just walk over and just die in front of you, and then you can use their hoofs for flint to make to make a fire to cook. I don't know. There's not, <laughs> not going to be anything cool. You're just going to walk around the bend. You're like, ah, okay. There's more, there's more red dirt. That's fucking cool. Like, like no matter how you could literally walk around the whole planet and see nothing but red dirt. That's like, that's like, imagine if like a whole planet was like a County gravel quarry. That's all you fucking saw was gravel. You would fucking hate gravel. Gravel's not exciting to start with. And if it's all you ever saw, you'd hate it. And, okay, so that's, there's that. And you're in this dome. You're in this dome, and you're with the same shitheads that you just traveled with on a spaceship. Even, I love my wife, but on, like, a four-hour car ride, you know, I'm ready to to have a little break, you know, sometimes. You know, in the long, I mean, we, we travel actually pretty well together. But it, uh, but there there is a point I will reach where I'm like, God, I don't want to be sitting right next to you for a little while. I want a break. <laughs> I don't want to... I want to just have my own thoughts, not have them interrupted by your thoughts. And that's somebody I love. Now imagine, you're not going to love the people you just happen to get stuck on a fucking spaceship with to go to Mars. It's going to be mostly strangers. There's going to be at least a few of them who, just like anywhere else on Earth, you know, you get enough people together, there's a few, or if you're me, most of them, that you can't fucking stand. And now you're stuck in a little glass dome with them. Day after day. You know, how many times can you have this conversation about, like, man, this is so fucking cool that we're here, man, we did it. It's like, yeah, I know, we fucking, you've said that to a hundred days in a row. Oh, it sounds like hell. It sounds like hell. You know, I don't know. So that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's just my thoughts. I mean, because, because to me, it's like, like a, a cool trip to Mars would be like, you know, total recall. Like if I, if I can go up there and have some kind of Quato moment, you know, you know the little dude that pops out of the guy's chest on Total Recall? Just open your mind. Okay, okay. Mind open, Quato. Open your mind. Now that would be cool. But that's not what it is. That's not what it is. But uh, Elon Musk thinks very differently than I do. So let's, let's get into what he is all about. That's what we're listing for this one. He's a 45-year-old billionaire founder of SpaceX Rocket Company, amongst many other things. Uh, and he's wanted to go to Mars since he was a boy, and he has a plan. He's been spending tens of millions of dollars a year developing this technology for what he calls an interplanetary transport system. 
he's already developed this Raptor rocket engine, which there's a lot of specs on here, like the engine's nozzle is about 14 feet in diameter. Uh, the final version will generate 3 million newtons of force with a chamber pressure three times that of the Merlin engines that currently propel SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket. I think the Merlin engines uh, NASA uses for their own space shuttles. Uh, production Raptor goal is a specific impulse of 382 seconds and a thrust of 3 metric tons at 300 bar. I don't know. He wrote that on Twitter. I don't know what the fuck half of that shit means. Do not know uh, 382 seconds with a 150 area ratio vacuum. What? Okay. Anyway, anyway, I don't know. If, if you're, if you know, good for you. If you know what any of that meant. If you're literally a rocket scientist. But uh, I guess the point of all that, and the reason people are excited, nerds are into this, is because it's going to be super powerful. I guess is the point of all that. It's like way more powerful than the engines. I guess I should say, I shouldn't say it's going to be. It already is more powerful than like NASA's current rocket ship engines. And the rocket he's working on to get to Mars is going to have 42 of these fuckers in it. So it's like a, a V8 engine times a billion or something. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and the spaceship uh, attached to the rocket is going to have nine more Raptors. And uh, and all this is going to be 400 feet long. It's going to be like the biggest rocket ever. And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's the thing he thinks is going to take us to Mars. So he's working on that now. He's working on the rocket to get the shuttle up above Earth's atmosphere. And then it's going to get like refueled by some other kind of refueling system that floats around. And then the, the nine more Raptor engines are going to you know, shoot it over to Mars. And it's going to take like 80 days to get there. And, that's, and, that's, and, it, and it can only launch every, once every two years because uh, that's when Earth and Mars are the closest with their, with their rotations. And, and 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 this guy, I'm gonna you're gonna learn a lot about him uh, coming up here. But he's not you know he's he's a billionaire, smart entrepreneur dude, and he does have history. He he didn't just like it's not like he uh, made his money in in shoes, you know. He's not it's not it's not like Phil Knight's like fucking I'm going to space now, and uh, and all of a sudden he just starts talking some crazy shit, and people listen to him because <laughs> he's rich. No, he he has a background. This company has been around for a while. It's a company he founded this SpaceX, and, um, you know, he, he's already, like, gotten NASA contracts, ca- contracts with other uh, nations' governments to, to, like, you know, put satellites into orbit, to to bring cargo to the International Space Station. He, he has a track record with doing cool shit in space, okay? Now, he thinks this, uh, at this big speech he gave in Guadalajara, he thinks the rocket's going to end up costing about $10 billion to develop. Uh, he thinks it'll be ready, ready as early as 2022, and the shuttle he's, he's designing could take 100 passengers at a time. Trips planned every 26 months. And uh, eventually, he didn't say how much the tickets would cost initially, but eventually, you know, they're going to be affordable, <laughs> comparatively, uh, at 100000 to $200,000 per ticket. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing the initial tickets are pretty goddamn expensive. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty expensive. But, you know, maybe someday... If you have hundred thousand dollars, you've been saving up to get yourself to Mars to live in a bubble. We'll fucking get out of here then. We don't. We don't want you. But no. But whatever. That's what you want to do. Um, and he thinks to establish a self-sustaining Mars civilization because that's the end goal for this. The end goal for this for him is he wants uh, a self-sustaining civilization. So like Earth could be fucking blown up. We still got people on Mars, and they're going to be creating new colonies. He wants us to be like this. This. You know, you, you get everybody living on Mars, and you get that shit figured out, how to live on one planet that doesn't have the atmosphere that we need, 
and figure out how to like get rockets going there and send them to other planets. And yeah, then the human race. Now we're living in fucking Star Trek land. That's his goal. He clearly watched a lot of Star Trek as a kid and he got a lot of money and he's like, let's make it real. Um, but check this out. Here's the best part of uh, his, his plan to me, best slash worst part. The first humans who journey to Mars must be, quote, prepared to die. Uh, he says, quote, I think the first journeys to Mars will be really very dangerous. The risk of fatality will be high. There's just no way around it. I like his honesty. He's like, yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money to get a ticket, and you're probably going to fucking blow up in space. But, you know, we got we to we gotta test. You got to get the, the guinea pigs tests going before we can, you know, really figure it out for real. He doesn't think, he doesn't think this is going to deter people, though. He just says, quote, uh, it will be an incredible adventure. I think it will be the most inspiring thing that I can possibly imagine. Life needs to be more than just solving problems every day. You need to wake up and be excited about the future and be inspired and want to live. Okay, I kind of, I get, I, I like that, I get that. I am excited about the future, though, like here on Earth. My, my excitement doesn't come from needing to leave Earth. I wish that people who wanted to leave Earth would just get out so I could have less fucking annoying people surrounding me here. That's, that's my thing. So here's how he's going to do it. Here's, he has the four phases of colonization. Even though I still don't want to go, this is a pretty fucking cool plan. Phase one, unmanned scouting missions beginning as early as 2018. I mean, that is pretty cool. It's right around the corner. He'll send spacecrafts he's calling Red Dragons uh, to Mars to basically figure out how to successfully land there without wrecking the spacecraft. So down the road, they can send spacecrafts there and back. They don't want to just, you know, send something out. They, they can make it there, kind of like the, with the, the fucking rover thing. And then, but then it can't get back. And, and that's, you know, something that hasn't been done. He needs to figure out how to land on Mars and then figure out how to bounce back off Mars to get back to Earth. And, and each of these rockets, like these initial kind of test rockets he's going to send uh, to Mars are going to have a few tons of payload. Stuff like, like water hunting robots is one of the things he says. Uh, machines to figure out how to create methane rocket fuel using carbon dioxide and other elements already existing in the Martian atmosphere. I mean, that, that's pretty fucking smart. It's way beyond my intelligence. I mean, he's going to, yeah, try and figure out how, you know, see if on a small scale in phase one, he can uh, figure out how to use existing elements to create the fuel needed to send rockets back. You know, which, you know, if you can't figure that out, then you can never get a rocket back. Because you're, well, I guess unless you could figure out how to get enough fuel round trip, but that doesn't see, I don't think based on the little, very little I know about rocket technology, that's not an option. So, cause you just need so much to get it up into fucking space. I love how I've read, like, a few hours worth of rocket shit, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> you can't do it, because, you know, it's, you got, it's a lot of fuel, you guys. It's a lot of, like, it's a lot of gallons, okay? You just, you can't, you can't. Just uh, don't ask me about it, because my knowledge is very, very thin, and I will shut down. Um, but anyway, he wants to, and he wants to have, like, a regular trips you know starting in 2018 you know one rocket leaves to mars let's start preparing the next launch let's start getting the next rocket ready he called it like trains leaving the station he wants like on, on a clockwork on a schedule rocket 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 you know each carrying a couple tons of stuff up into mars and then we got phase two once he's figured out how to how to um oh how the chemical process to create rocket fuel using resources available on mars like once he can make that happen then he wants to send all the pieces of a full-scale fuel factory to the Red Planet. Uh, so once they start sending people, these people can, like, you know, put all the shit together and then make the fuel in this factory 
and then, uh, you know, and then, and then head back. It's pretty smart. Okay, so now you're going to have a factory on there. Uh, phase three, then, is, is the first crewed mission. So, okay, so phase two is just like getting this big cargo of, of the, the stuff needed to, to make the, the fuel factory. Phase three is you send the people, and it's 100 at a time, so you send 100 people with the tools to complete the fuel factory, that's the first group, and set up their biodomes. He says the inhabitants will live in, uh, quote, giant glass domes and, quote, use mining robots to expand their homes. So I guess, you know, you can't, there's only so much glass dome. You know, you, you, can't, you can't expand your home outward too far, but, you know, you can go down and live in a Mars cave. You know, that sounds fun. Uh, you know, if you're a doomsday prepper, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, this sounds awesome. Um, okay, so, and, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's a couple little, little problems people have to solve initially with that once they, once they set up what he's calling Mars Base Alpha, the, the first home and the first humans there. You know, then you just got to figure out how to breathe, you know, consistently up there, grow food, recycle water, not break your glass domes, you know, all those, all those little details. Uh, the water one, I, I think that's a big hurdle because, you know, you can't just recycle liquids. There's not going to be a, a pure process to get like all your liquid back every time you take a piss. So eventually you're going to have to figure out how to create water out of the atmosphere. But I, but I guess if they can create fuel, then maybe they can create water too. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming so. I'm assuming he hasn't overlooked that. Like, oh shit, that's right. We need water. Fucking never mind. But yeah, food. Hopefully they'll do a little better than Matt Damon. And then phase four is colonizing Mars. And check this out. According to an article in Popular Mechanics, a space colony needs at least 10,000 people to create enough genetic variation to, to avoid the negative effects of, of inbreeding and basically become Mars-tucky. You know, we don't need, you know, any three-titty total recall mutants. And, you know, as, as, as much as I like him, you know, we probably don't want anybody, you know, looking like uh, a Quato. <laughs> Open your mind. He's, he's a creepy-looking little dude, if you haven't seen the movie, by the way. Open your mind. He's real wet and slippery-looking. Open and he, your And he lives in his symbiotic twin's belly. Open your mind. Yeah, now, okay. So we don't want that. We don't want that. So you need at least 10,000 people. And, and he uh, envisions getting it to a million people. That's, that's his goal. That is the end goal of this project. He wants to get a, a million people living on Mars. He thinks he can do that by the um, 2060s. And he's envisioning, quote, iron foundries to pizza joints, like everything, a self-sustaining city up there. Uh, I'm also thinking he's going to need to come up with something better than a glass dome for a million people to live under. Yeah, you'd hate to get a million people living up there. It's all going great. And then you got one asshole with a slingshot and a, a moon rock, and he brings your entire fucking civilization down. So I, so I wonder after reading all this, like, is, is this possible? This is all, everything I've just talked to you about is from his speech um, in Guadalajara. Um, but what are, like, NASA experts, other space experts thinking? And, and basically the general consensus is that they say that it's not impossible what he's saying. I mean, they don't have everything, all the details figured out, but these are, these are people who, you know, work in theoretical math and who are inventing things. And so just because something's impossible now doesn't mean that it's going to be impossible tomorrow. And, and so on that note, they're like, yeah, this, this could probably happen. The big problem they have, though, is the timeline. They don't think it's going to happen anywhere nearly as quickly as he do. They, they think this is a couple hundred years off, is the general consensus. He thinks it's you know, within our lifetimes. So why is this so important to this guy? 
uh, to Elon Musk. Uh, he, he stated that the loftier goal for SpaceX is to send people to Mars to make humanity a multi-planetary species in order to ensure survival in case some calamity like an asteroid strike, you know, befalls Earth. And so, you know, and, and he doesn't think it's going to stop at Mars. Basically, what he wants is once we can get the self-sustaining colony going to Mars, we have figured out how to colonize another planet. Why not keep bouncing out to other planets just in perpetuity? All right. So, so that's, there you go. That's what he does. So now, now, now if you're like me, um, and you didn't really know much about Elon Musk before hearing about this space project, other than maybe like he's, you know, something to do with Tesla, I'm thinking, who the fuck is this guy? And where did he get the money to even entertain some plan like this? And this is the most interesting part of the episode to me. And and we're going to delve into exactly who, who Elon Musk is with a time suck timeline. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a time-suck timeline. Elon Reeve Musk is born on June 28, 1971 in Pretoria, South Africa. His mom is Canadian-born May Musk, an incredibly successful dietitian who began modeling in the 60s and is still super hot. Still a cover model today. I'm not fucking kidding. She's 68 years old and legitimately sexy. Uh, she appeared nude on the cover of New York Magazine in 2011, signed with IMG, the top modeling agency in the world, last year, 2015. So solid genes on mom's side, very intelligent, uh, very innovative, very attractive. Uh, May met his dad, Errol Musk, while going to high school in South Africa, and his dad was a very successful electromechanical engineer when he was growing up, you know, and a dude attractive enough to marry a model, so, you know, Pretty solid brains, pretty solid looks on both sides, combined with a home life of great nutrition with his mom's interest in being a dietitian and uh, the technological knowledge from his dad. So, that, so that's, that's how you get started creating a real-life Tony Stark. But not everything was easy. 1980, at the age of nine, his parents divorce, and he lives mainly with his dad and takes up an interest in computers and pro- programming on his Commodore VIC-20, uh, a computer that would make a nine-year-old today immediately lose interest in computers. A uh, few com- computer geeks out there. This thing had five kilobytes of RAM. <laughs> five kilobytes of RAM, uh, which makes it slightly less powerful than a dollar store solar calculator. So that's, that's what he started with. Uh, so in 1984, though, with his limited technology, uh, he early in con- personal computers, he creates a code for a Space Invaders type game he wrote called Blastar at the age of 12. So, and, he, and he published the code for it in a magazine called PC and Office Technology, you can actually find it online. If you just Google Elon Musk Blastar, uh, you can find it. I played it. It's one of those games. It's kind of like, um, again, like Space Invaders where like space, your space bar shoots the little uh, laser blast at the little alien going from side to side up top, and you can use your left-right keys to, to move to the sides. You know, I mean, very rudimentary, but this is early on in game programming, and the kid was 12. So, you know, we know he's, he's got an interest in, in computers, and, and not a normal kid, not your typical kid. Uh, he's also quiet bit of a loner, very small child, one of the smallest kids in school, and he was a fucking nerd, uh, which was not cool in South Africa in the 80s, and apparently he got his ass beat a lot at school. Like, he was bullied really horribly, I guess. Uh, like, like, one example that comes up in several articles, excuse me, <clears throat> is one time these bullies threw him down a flight of stairs and beat him unconscious. Excuse me. <clears throat> Dang it. Living up in the... Uh, Inland Northwest right now, and the air is dry as shit up here. I've never used so much lotion in my life uh, up in Coeur d'Alene now. So, okay, okay, so 
Uh, yeah, one time his, these bullies threw him down a flight of stairs and beat him unconscious. So then 1990, he, he graduates from Pretoria Boy, uh, Boys High School and not surprisingly gets the fuck out of South Africa. You know, he hasn't had a good time there the last couple of years. Uh, and also because he would have been required at that time as a white male to serve for two years in the military uh, had he stayed. And, you know, I imagine Barrick's life would have been similar to high school for little Elon. So he uses his family ties on his mom's side in Canada and enrolls in Queen's University in Ontario. Two years later, 1992, at the age of 21, decides he wants to try college in the States, enrolls in the University of Pennsylvania, where he'll get a bachelor's of, uh, degree in both economics and physics. And he has some fun, too. Like, you know, he, he's coming into his own socially, uh, and he's coming into his own entrepreneurial, entrepreneurially, uh, where he and a fellow student rent a 10-bedroom frat house, convert it into an unofficial nightclub. That's fucking badass to me. <laughs> like, and how smart. I bet he made a, a, a great deal of money doing that. So he clearly knows how to think outside the box. 1995, 24-year-old Musk uh, begins a doctorate program across the country in applied physics and material science at Stanford, drops out after just two days to join the Silicon Valley tech boom. You know, mid-90s, the shit is about to pop. And this is when his life gets extremely interesting and fucking amazing to me. Uh, he didn't just drop out and start scrambling to come up with some tech idea. He drops out and starts his first company, Zip2, an online city guide. So it makes sense. You know, he's a well-traveled dude. You know, he sees a need for fellow travelers. Uh, he lands contracts with the New York Times and Chicago Tribune to add online content to their sites. You know, it's enough money to, to get himself a little office headquarters, you know, as in like a office, but it's, you know, it's barely paying the bills. He has to live in this office, sleeps on the futon, showers at the local YMCA. And that takes some balls, man. Fucking love it when people do stuff like this. He really goes out on a limb. And, and eventually, he gets enough funding to, to help the company grow, but he has to make this trade-off that he wasn't happy about. Uh, in order to get this uh, investment capital, he gives up majority control of the company he started, ends up with only a 7% share. You know, it looks like that might not work out well for him. But then in 1999, Compaq Computers, I used to have a Compaq before they were bought out by HP, these guys buy out Lil Zip2 for $307 million, one of the biggest buyouts at that time in Silicon Valley, biggest cash buyouts. And that little 7% share turns into being $22 million. No more fucking futon. He's a 28-year-old millionaire, and he's just getting started. So his new sale has given him some cachet in the upper echelon of Silicon Valley investors, plus, you know, some, some moolah. And he immediately dumps $10 million of that moolah uh, and gets some backing to get even more money to start his next project and keep control of it. It's called X.com. You probably haven't heard of X.com probably haven't heard x.com uh it was a uh you know this uh online again you know kind of uh money transfer company changed its name to a to a name you've heard of fucking paypal this guy started paypal 2002 31 year old elon musk paypal has gone public in february and then later that year is quickly bought out by ebay for 1.5 billion elon personally nets 165 mil in the deal He's, and, he's, and he's fucking, he's not sitting around just counting his money. In between the IPO in February and the buyout later in the year, he's already started a new company, SpaceX, the one that's developing rockets to go to Mars. But he only got $165 million. And earlier, I did call him a billionaire. You might be wondering, well, how did he get there? How did he get $2 billion or more? How did he get to several billion? I'm going to tell you, he, he landed uh, gigantic rocket and satellite contracts with NASA and, you know, the Malaysian government for starters. But here's where the real money 
like 165 million isn't real. But here's where like the crazy money comes in. 2004, Musk bought into a new company uh, you probably heard of, Tesla Motors, becomes chairman of its board of directors. Uh, and then in 2008, when there was a big economic downturn, he, he maneuvered some things into be, being able to become its CEO uh, and majority shareholder. And then in, in ni- January 29th, 2016, uh, as of that date, Elon reportedly owned 22% of Tesla, equating to 28.9 million shares. At the date of this recording, Thursday, December uh, 1st, those shares are $185.60 a share. That means right now, today, as I'm saying this, the dude has $5.3 billion fucking dollars worth of Tesla stock alone. Jesus. It's a lot of money. That made me wonder, like, how much money does he have overall? Uh, according to Google today, $11.2 billion. Billion dollars. He's in his early 40s. Woo! Yeah. So, incidentally, uh, uh, while doing all this, Musk uh, also found time to have six sons with his first wife. That's right, six. Uh, His first wife and college sweetheart uh, from his time in Canada, Justine Wilson. And he's also been married two more times to the same woman, actress Tallulah uh, Tallulah Riley, British actress, uh, divorcing her again just a few weeks ago. Um, She's kind of popped up in a variety of things like Inception and Westworld, but in smaller parts. So, you you know, you might recognize her face, you might not. I, I, I had not when I looked her up. So that's, that's him. That's him, man. Good job, soldier. You've made it back. Barely. All right, well, now you know what Musk wants to do with Mars and how to get the money to do so. Interesting shit, I think, right? Interesting shit. So let's hit the highlights uh, one more time before we go with some top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Top five takeaway number one. By the 2060, just 50 years from now, Musk believes a million people could be living on Mars thanks to SpaceX technology and his bold colonization plant. And if, if you recall uh, from my episode on artificial intelligence, they will probably have an additional million sex robots in tow living with them. I'm just going to say that right now. I'm, I'm predicting that. Number two, Martian Colony would be the one and only cool thing on Mars. It's a fucking galactic version of Battle Mountain, Nevada. It's nothing but red rock and dust, as far as the eye can see, and has an average temperature of negative 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So have fun with that. Number three, the first passengers to Mars must be, quote, prepared to die. The risk of fatality will be high. So, you know, best case scenario for the first 100 Mars Voyagers is to live in a little glass dome and build a refueling station so people can get the fuck off of Mars, which you'll probably want to do by the time you have it built. Worst case is to blow up in space. Number four, Elon Musk is worth $11.2 billion. Think about that number for a second. $11.2 billion. He could lose $11 billion and still have more money than 99% of humanity. And number five, Elon's mother, May Musk, is 68 years old and sexy as fuck, which I find even more fascinating than traveling to a dead planet. Time suck. Top five takeaways. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, to Time Suck. I'm loving you, Time Suckers. I love the feedback I'm seeing online. Love all the uh, reviews on iTunes, man. It makes my heart feel good. And if you're not already doing so, uh, please follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Dan Cummins Comedy. Uh, you can go to dancummins.tv for tour dates. I'm going to be posting a bunch of 2017 ones in the, uh, in the next few weeks. 
And check out Time Suck Comedy or Time Suck Pod Comedy. Time Suck Podcast.com for, for pictures to go along with certain of these episodes. And it's just a it's just a fun little site I'm enjoying. And uh, you know, uh, follow follow Cueto's advice as well and open your goddamn mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. Talk to you next Monday, everybody. Open your mind. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out, sleep, read a book, play Fortnite, call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But what you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TimeSuck.